I love being Jewish. I really love being Jewish, even when I'm frustrated, even when um, there are things that bother me. I still love being Jewish. You're not it's religious. So much a part of my identity. I'm not. Do you eat bacon? Be honest. I do eat bacon. I love bacon. I love cheeseburgers. How and dare you? and and I also believe in God. Right. I was just gonna. So ask. how do you square that circle? Well, well, yeah. you can when you're you, Jewish. You quarter. And John, John, yeah. John quarter. And John quarter. This is the Mid-East Peace Podcast. I am your host, Molly Livingstone, in Jerusalem with a jet-lagged Sarah Tittle singer, <laughs> also known as an author, writer, blogger. Jet-lagged. Jet-lagged. Actually <laughs> jet-lagged. Yeah, mama. You were up last night, not I, because of your kids. Yes everything. No? You know, the, the truth is I've been jet-lagged since I've made Aliyah. I'm on LA time. <laughs> the only time I actually sleep at a normal time is when I go back to LA and then I go to bed at... 11 or midnight like a person and I wake up by 8 in the morning and it's great but here it's That's a whole it. yeah well forget it. for me it's good because I feel like jet lag helps us to peel some layers like the onion layers it's of like you three glasses of scotch right there yeah right? <laughs> I, you are a fan of it correct yes. what do you drink I love scotch so Laphroaig is my go-to it tastes like it's smoky it's peaty it tastes like a medical supply cabinet blew up but in a really <laughs> good way and then I'm really digging Mortlach right now. That was the scotch that Winston Churchill allegedly drank through World War II. And Does that it, make you feel like it, you're a little bit of him you know, when you drink it every it, sip? I just, I like the bottle. The bottle's got this nice weight to it. It's a sexy bottle and the, the taste, taste mm. um, is very kind of caramely and vanilla. And it, you know what? It tastes like Santa Claus. It really tastes like Santa Claus. Oh my like gosh, there are so many weird images because I have Winston <laughs> Churchill, a sexy bottle, and Santa Claus. And I, it's got to be hard. the worst gotta... porn ever created. <laughs> and it's in my mind and it won't go away. I like adult chocolate milk, which is Bailey's. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much it. It's That's sweet, yummy. delicious. I like that too. I just sip it whenever possible. People don't know what I'm drinking, which is even better. They think it's coffee, right? Exactly. We don't have to explain. Mm-mm. Now, what's great with the jet lag is you were also doing some karaoke. I think you were singing Backstreet Boys, which is weird. Yeah, sorry about that, man. No, it's, it's we great. Were, you, you and I, were, we were in high school together. Yeah. So as, as soon as I see you, I start vibing see on the, the whole L-A-C-E-S 90s oh my ensemble. Gosh. That's our, those letters those put are. together a high school. You wrote a book. I did. Jerusalem Drawn and Quartered. Yep. Said it right. You said it right. Didn't well even done. do it backwards. Well done. <laughs> and it sounds like you used that name because there's four parts of the old city, Muslim, Armenian, Jewish, Christian. And the idea was to sort of live in each one. Mm-hmm. But actually, there's more to that name. Yes. So David Horovitz, who's the founding editor at Times of Israel and my boss, when I told him about the idea for the book, and I was really nervous because I really admire David. And, and he was going to oh, steal it. No. no I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I was afraid he was just going to look at me, put his, you know, his head in his hands and say it's rubbish. But he, yeah. he got really excited. His eyes lit up and he said, I have the perfect title for you. And he said, Jerusalem drawn and quartered, which is a very, um, it's a Britishism because back in the day for you know, hundreds of years, that's how they used to execute people in Great Britain. They would take the the convict, yeah, it's pretty, or um, the traitor or the whoever it was and hang the person and then yeah, it gets pretty graphic then take a sword and run it lengthwise down the body to draw oh. them and then cut them yeah. again across the middle into and, and so they were essentially quartered and hung, was drawn a, and quartered that was a good name for your book 
has a good name well, for the you know, peace when process. <laughs> when your boss suggests something, you not you, uh, politely. Actually, I really like the title because even with the violent imagery, there's something very evocative about that. And Jerusalem is fraught with tension and with violence and with conflict, and yet. There are these opportunities for connection, for fixing the broken pieces, and for miracles every single day. You're a people watcher. I love, love it. I love it. <laughs> I eat it. Hopefully up. not in a too creepy way, but not I too love. Creepy. I love people. I love yeah. talking to strangers. I love imagining lives and possibilities, and I, I love people's stories. I'm very moved by them. And so this was kind of a way to really put yourself into it to live in these four quarters. Right. Having a book deal is a nice way to sanction talking to strangers and getting away with doing stuff because you can always say, oh, but it's for my book. Yeah, and that's I so nice. just wanted to do it anyway. Do you think that being a woman, it's easier to say that in this day and age? If you were a man, you're like, oh, I'm doing it for my book. <laughs> People are like, ugh, like it's still creepy. You know, I, I don't know about that. I do know that being in the old city and putting myself in vulnerable positions was not always easy because I'm a woman. There are different considerations. I can see you like looking through the memories. like. And some pretty terrible things happened during the course of that year. Yeah, like and, give us a little sneak peek of uh, shit that went down. Well, um, I was assaulted in one of the hotels where I was staying. Mm. And I know men have experienced sexual assault and trauma and violence, certainly. I think there are less vulnerable than women. And uh, I think that it's less likely to happen to them. And I know, speaking with male reporters and female reporters, we have to take different kinds of precautions. We Mm. women have to take different kinds of precautions. For instance, when I'm interviewing someone, I'll often carry a pack of cigarettes and I'll smoke a cigarette along with the person that I offer the cigarette to because I want to appear more masculine and in certain so interesting framework that works mm. yeah normally i just like scratch my crotch and it seems <laughs> to do it but and it saves you a lot of money by the way yeah sometimes they burp in their face or fart whatever mm-hmm. gets the job done you know being vulnerable and being in this position and looking back now did you actually live then in all four quarters or did things like this affect the trajectory of the book well at a certain point I realized that it was good to have a more stable home base after the incident in the hotel. I was very careful to protect people's identities in the book. And so the person who hurt me, I call him the gray man. So as we Mm. talk about this now, I'll refer to him as the gray man. Not to be confused with Fifty Shades of Grey. No, no, no. (laughs) Okay. So after the night with the gray man, I realized that it made sense for me to find a place where I would feel feel safe and have some sort of stable place where I knew that the people living with me or or running the building were people I could trust. And so I found that. And I found that on the seam between the Christian and the Armenian quarter over on St. Mark's. And it's about 50 meters from the turnoff into the Jewish quarter and then right around the corner from the beginning of the Muslim quarter. It's near the roof where the four quarters come together. So I felt like I was actually in this spot. Yeah, it's Mm. a gorgeous view, but where all the the roads meet. And plus, I was living in this this tower that, you you know, the architect M.C. Escher? uh, Not architect, the artist who drew those. I know M.C. Hammer, but that's about it. Yeah. (laughs) M.C. Escher is this artist who draws these pictures that don't quite make sense, where it looks like the water's running uphill. Mm. A lot of math teachers have their posters in the classroom, where it looks like the hands are drawing each other. They're optical illusions. 
and I was living in a tower that looked like something M.C. Escher would have designed if he came to Jerusalem, got stoned out of his mind, (laughs) and then had to build something. There were two staircases wrapping around each side of the tower, and the staircases didn't meet until they got to the roof, and the rooms were built along the staircases, and the building was about 800 years old, and it was so cool, and it really played into my own fantasy of being, you know, some sort of magical fairy princess, which, yeah. you know, it, it worked, and I loved being there with the best view of the old city I've ever you're, seen. You're an interloper. I mean, you <laughs> are this American girl who came here originally because you were married to an Israeli? It, More complicated. Yeah, I mean, that's the, the surface answer, but the deeper answer is I came here at 16. I fell in love with Israel, came again at 17, and then came again at 18, and went to university and studied Middle Eastern studies with emphasis on the peace and conflict studies and the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. So this place has been part of my identity since I was you know, a, a teenager. And even before, growing up on the stories that my mother told me about her experiences in the old city right after the Six-Day War, and stories about my great-grandmother and this hot, sexy love affair that she had with an Ottoman official yes. on one of the roofs in the old city, and how it got her shipped back to Poland and then Chicago, where she met my grandfather. So this has all been part of my DNA for a long time, and the stories that were told to me and the stories that I tell my kids. So everyone seems to have like a dirty sex story of that time period. Well, my husband's father grew up mm-hmm. right on what was the border between Jordan and Israel until 67. Mm-hmm. And he remembers as a child that there was a Jordanian patrol officer who saw two Jews on the border having sex naked and chased them down the street. And he remembers seeing this, like these two <laughs> Jews being chased after a Jordanian on the border. Oh, wow. Like you think That's of it great. as so like, yeah, this political hotbed. And there's also a different It's kind just of a hotbed. Yeah, yeah, it's a hotbed. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of sex in the old city. Yeah. So going back to this interloper. So you're this American that now made Aliyah. Mm-hmm. You moved to Israel. And because through social media and your blogging and your writing, you write about what's going on. And now rather than also just being sort of on the outside, you've literally put yourself in it. Mm-hmm. When you originally came here, you had an issue. You were attacked. You had rocks thrown at you mm-hmm. by Damascus Gate. Right over by Damascus Gate, yeah. And so actually you were quite afraid of the old Terrified. city. Terrified. Wouldn't set foot in the old city for 15 years. Which a lot of people, by the way, when you talk about Israel, are very afraid of Israel. They don't feel safe because of news headlines as such. And you put yourself back in it. Do you think this book will change people's perspective on what seems scary? You know, I I hope people will read the book and then want to go into the old city and visit some of these places and some of the people. I'm also happy to be around and guide them through on the first or second or 10th time if they need it. It's It wasn't easy for me to suddenly go from a place of real intense fear of the old city, especially the Muslim quarter, to this place where as soon as I see Damascus Gate late at night when I'm on my way back into the old city, I breathe a sigh of relief and think, oh, good, I'm almost home. Mm. So it's a big shift, right? And I wasn't expecting that shift to happen when I decided to start living in the old city, but it's possible. And, And I'm not naive. I know what can happen. I've experienced some of what can happen. And I also know that there is far worse to experience than what I went through. But I keep my eyes open, and mostly I just see really incredible possibilities. Any of those possibilities translate into dating. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to have to read the book. I know. That's so unfair. Well, Hmm. are there sexy times in the book? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Like Judy Bloom sexy? Because she's, I think, better oh, than Fifty fine. Shades. And if she wrote Fifty Shades, it would have been an amazing book. But that's a rant for another day. Mm-hmm. Yes, God, there are, though. I know one day my kids are going to read this book. <laughs> okay. And so I thought about that as I wrote it. Although my kids and I have a fairly open relationship that continues to evolve as they get older and as I um, get older, too, in my parenting. But I think what I wrote was handled as tastefully as possible. Now, you hesitated, and she wrote, oh, she put her eyebrows Well, there may have been a pun in there, so. Ooh, tasteful. (laughs) Was it tasteful? You'll just have to read the book. It has to be tasteful. You'll have to read the book. What did she just say? You'll have to read the book. You will have to read the book. If you want to read about sex in the old city, you have to read the book. Do that painting, MC Hammer painting. The hands are touching. (laughs) What is that? Yeah. Okay, so actually, I saw on Facebook, you wrote that your daughter said it should be translated to Hebrew, Mm -hmm. which you then told her to translate it, and she's like, that's difficult, not doing that. She said, um that she thinks it would be very difficult to translate. And her words were, you're kind of magical crazy, which I love. Ooh. I want that on my tombstone. You know, That's you're... really cool. What a but, backwards you know, I compliment. Say, I, I think, like that. I think if anyone could translate it, it would be my yeah. daughter. What if it was translated also into Arabic? I really hope it will be. I really, really hope it will be. I think I want it to be translated into Hebrew and Arabic, really any language. Can you do a wink if the person that you had the tasteful, sexy time with was Arab? You're just going to have to read damn the book. You, damn you. You will have to read have the to book. I have to put a you note in the Western the Wall. Please let Sarah tell me the truth. Mm-hmm. Okay, so <laughs> I have to read the book. The book is coming out. The book is coming out on May 8th. Which is really soon. Which is, I think, not that's tomorrow, my, two days from now, Yeah, right? that's my son's birthday. And, and wow. He was born on Jerusalem Day. You know, it's done by the Hebrew mm-hmm. calendar. That was five years ago, the day that Jerusalem Amazing. Day happened, which is when East and West were reunited after the Six Day War. Do you know what I think is so cool about our lunar calendar? Tell me everything. When you look up at the moon on the the night of Chag, it's the same moon that people were seeing when they were experiencing that holiday. And for me, right. that I find that so moving. As we went from Memorial Day to um, to Independence Day, and I was out there with my kids near the fields on the, the Moshav where we're living half the week. Moshav is village, and we live on a, a little village on the days that we're not in the old city. And I remember looking up at the moon and thinking, that is so amazing that the people who were, on the one hand, celebrating independence, but also fighting to defend that new independence, saw the exact same moon we're mm. seeing. That same shape, that same That's why you're wink a in the sky. I just look around and I'm like... <laughs> I just had some scotch too, I think, yeah. at the time. Oh, I was waxing poetic. Hey, that works. I realized I liked celebrating Independence Day, just maybe not with as many Israelis as were around me. <laughs> and I don't know if that's anti-Israel, but it's the truth. Are you a Zionist? Yeah, you I are. am. I mean, but I want to define what Zionism is for me. And that's the... Of course you do, yeah. As one does. As every Zionist ever did. Yes, right, you know, both. two Zionists, three opinions. <laughs> no. For me, Zionism is the belief that the Jewish people have a right to live in the land of Israel, our ancestral home. And for me, Zionism also means that it should not be at the expense of Palestinian nationalist aspirations. Then we have to find a way to compromise and work together and live together with some kind of solution that will give us all equality, justice, freedom, mutual respect, and security. And security is a big one because without security, you can't have all those other nice things. You can't have True. equality and mutual respect and, and justice and freedom. So we have to find a way to do that. And it's not going to be 
a solution that everyone's happy with, but it will be at first a solution we can live with and a basis for working together and building something even better. Sarah Tuttle Singer now adding <laughs> political activists to her. Not repertoire. running for Knesset, not running nope. for Israeli parliament. No, 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 no. Well, but Israel's my home and yeah. Are you, I left a very comfortable life in L.A. to be here, and I'm giving Israel the most precious thing in my life, which is my kids. Mm. My kids are here, too, and I'm fully aware of the weight of what that means. These are kids, much like yours, I assume, who will grow up to serve in the yeah, Israeli Defense Force. Country, but... And for me, I want this country to be a country that is worthy of of that incredible price of, of my kids. Would you ever suggest having them read your book, the them being all the guys that try to make peace? I mm-hmm. say men because most of the time, unfortunately, that's who comes to the table. Would that help them with the peace process? I don't know. If you threaten I... that they could be quartered and drawn <laughs> afterwards, drawn and quartered? Yeah, well, maybe. <laughs> what I hope is the book provides windows into the lives of the different kinds of people who love the old city from the Jewish quarter, the Armenian quarter, the Christian quarter, and the Muslim quarter, and that people from different communities will get insight into a community that they're less familiar with or even afraid of. I think May 15th, May 14th, 15th, mm-hmm. some day soon, they're going to be shutting down my neighborhood because the embassy, embassy right, May 14th, right? I think they're Oh, there it is. It. Okay. Sarah Tuttlesinger, if they asked you to cut the ribbon, would you do it? Because that's a pretty controversial place right now when you talk about security and peace mm-hmm. and living side by side. And would you go? Because on one hand, it's an honor. On the other hand, it carries a lot of weight with it. You know, the embassy issue is a tricky issue. On the one hand, of course, Jerusalem's the capital of Israel. But the final status of Jerusalem needs to be part of what's negotiated in a final status agreement and how we call Jerusalem, whether we refer to it as West Jerusalem or East Jerusalem and where all these parts fit together. And moving the embassy at this time is pouring salt into a wound for the Palestinians. And I don't know why we need to do this now. I don't think it's kind. I don't think it's necessary. And I think it's going to create more friction and more trauma for all the communities that love Jerusalem, not just the Arab communities, but also the Jewish communities. And so I have serious reservations about the embassy move. That said, (laughs) that said, if they're going to let me get up there and speak about this and say anything I want to say about this and talk about these reservations and these concerns. Vivakasha, like, if, if, please, if they're going to give me a platform totally to do that, then do I'm going to, yeah. right. So I'm like, here's what you say, you know, no, make sure I'm, you shake his hand. No, I'm not a mouthpiece. So you're like doing like a, a Natalie Portman move here. Well, I wish she had done that. I wish she came to the Accept the Genesis Prize Prize and spoke out about her concerns. Many of these concerns I share with her. And I think that doing that from Israel. Oh, sure. The Genesis Prize is a bunch of rich Europeans giving $2 million away to another rich person, I think from America, to spend it on I don't know what, either a shopping spree or helping people. And she was going to accept the award and she decided not to because Prime Minister Bibi Netanyahu would be speaking at the event Mm -hmm. as well. And she didn't agree with his agenda and what's going on in Israel. So she decided to decline. But she declined in like a weird way. And she didn't fully explain herself. And then she did. And people kind of at first were like, you're a part of the problem. You're uh, Mm -hmm. anti 
Jewish Jew, you're part of BDS, which she really isn't. Yeah, it's ridiculous to say that about her, but she missed an opportunity. She should have come and accepted the prize and talked about her concerns and about her love of Israel and how she sees the future of this place unfolding. And it's a lot stronger to do that while your ass is here in Israel. Mm. When you make that kind of speech, then complain about something while sipping Mai Tais in Beverly Hills. Yeah. It's a loss because she is an important, compelling voice. Her heart, I believe, is emphatically in the right place. And I'm not just talking about under her left breast and her rib cage, but <laughs> she loves this place and she means well and her concerns are deep and I believe well-informed. And I wish that she had the moral courage to come here and say all that in person and and do what so many of us are doing in Israel, which is hug and wrestle with what it means mm. to be Israeli and what it means to be a Zionist. She also is Israeli. Yeah, she is Israeli. Do you like that she named her kid Aleph? Because <laughs> I think it's weird. It's the letter of an alphabet. Okay, no comment. If you got the same opportunity, similar to what she had, mm -hmm. if Saudi Arabia, which is like emphatically anti-woman, although they're coming around with this hot new prince, 32, fresh prince from Saudi Arabia, um, who's going to allow them. they just them. shut down the gym. I think well, they see, were these women go. who were had their own gym, and then there was a picture really? leaked, yeah, and then they shut it down. So Seriously? They're, yeah, they're because they're two about steps to let them forward, be, four steps backward. Right. They're going to be Uber drivers. They're going to get to drive, which was all part of they're in the workforce, but they couldn't get to their jobs because they needed a man to drive them or a bus that never showed up. Sounds like the Middle East to me. Okay, uh, what, they can go to soccer games now. They had a fashion week, mm -hmm. but no gays allowed or drinking. So That's not fashion. Yeah, it's not fashion at all. <laughs> Let's say you had the same opportunity. They gave you the Memphis Award or whatever. It rhymes with Genesis in a really quick moment. Or the Shukran Award, mm -hmm. the Thank You Award in Arabic. And Would you go? Am I allowed to say whatever I want to say mm, without being okay. arrested or Let's say they think beheaded. you're going to be smart about it and you get to go, which as an Israeli, you wouldn't get to go, but they're going to allow it. Mm -hmm. And it is this big deal. Would you accept the honor? I think, would you accept the honor when you know that they're shutting down gyms because of leaked pictures and that women aren't equal? Would you first and foremost see, accept? Well, see, there's a difference between me as a Jewish American Israeli woman mm accepting award in Saudi Arabia and Natalie Portman as an Israeli Jewish American woman accepting award in Israel because I'm not Saudi Arabian. I'm not a Muslim. I'm not an Arab woman. I yet. One day. <laughs> one day. No. No, God, I, I love being Jewish. I really love being Jewish. Even when I'm frustrated, even when um, there are things that bother me, I still love being Jewish. You're not it's religious. so much a part of my identity. I'm not. Do you eat bacon? Be honest. I do eat bacon. I love bacon. I love cheeseburgers. How and, and, and I also believe in God. Right. I was just going to So ask. how do you square that circle? Well, well yeah. you can when you, you're Jewish. You quarter and draw. And draw yeah. quarter and draw. Draw quarter. So since I'm not a Saudi Arabian, since I'm not a Muslim woman, it's different. Because I'm an outsider, and, and the words that I would say about what needs to change in Saudi Arabian society carry less weight. But when an Israeli woman who lives in Hollywood, or is she in Hollywood or New York, yeah, wherever she is, who has vocally identified over the years as a committed, dedicated Jew, a staunch supporter of of her people, a mm -hmm. Zionist, a patriot, whatever you want to call it. She speaks Hebrew. Saw when she Hebrew comes university when she was here. And speaks about concerns that has weight yeah i see similarities in, in the two stories but i also think that it's not quite a parallel and if i were allowed to go to saudi arabia and say whatever i want about women's rights and also about israel and about 
Judaism and anything that I wanted to put on the table, I might consider it. But I also think I would be deeply uncomfortable accepting mm. an award from the Saudi Arabians. I know that there's some that they're an American ally of sorts, and I know that there's talk that one day they're going to be an ally of Israel. But these guys are, you know, there's massive human rights violations going on over there. And it makes me uncomfortable. I think it's really interesting when you talk about that stuff, because I think Israel's constantly in the news. Mm -hmm. And when you talk about, you know, Palestinians having equality compared to what's going up up north with Mm -hmm. Syria and people not seeming to care as much about human rights violations in terms of chemical warfare killing their oh, own Oh, it's abysmal people. up there. Yeah. But Syria should not be our moral litmus test. But not that said, yeah. I think we also cannot discount that Israel is picked apart by many states within the international community, not just because of, and I'm putting air quotes around this, anti-Zionism, but really there is anti-Semitism mm-hmm. that has not disappeared. That has been around for thousands of years. I mean, even if you go back to the book of Esther that we read during Purim, the idea of the Jew, of the, the caricaturized Jew as this perfidious outsider has been very pervasive mm-hmm. in folklore and in our own biblical narrative in the way that we've been treated. And so you can't discount that. So it's, it's many things. But I also think that we, we need to hold ourselves, and by we I mean Israelis need to hold ourselves accountable to our own high moral standards and be that light unto the nation that we, that we want to be and that we can be. Would you do anything differently in your book now that you look back and the plans you made? Oh, man. Well, there's so many stories that happened after I already submitted the book oh, that I no. wish I had sequel. <laughs> Maybe there'll be a sequel. Is that sequel. the next thing? Mm-hmm. I was going to ask, what's next? But I'm pleased with it. There are a lot of typos, so I think really? I should have done a better edit job. I'm not a good editor. I am a crummy editor. I'm good at literary editing, but I'm terrible at noticing the mistakes. I'm not yeah. a details person. I'm well, you very could say that's strokes. on purpose. That's what the Jerusalem well, Post says. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Sorry. Very nice. It was like a little jab. Okay, so that's no, what you're planning in the future, probably sequel, a movie. Well, Is it going to turn into a movie? If anyone's interested in talking about okay, a movie, let's, let's cool. talk. I think, I think it would be, be fun. Who do you want to play? You. Ooh, I, I want to play me. Or do I want yeah, you I to play me? You're I great. Just feel like you should I play would me. Just screw it up. I just. No, you'd be terrific. Like if you wanted more funny slapstick, you know, tripping over like rocks and. I've done city. that. I did. I was uh, yeah. tottering around in eight-inch heels at one point. Oh my gosh! They, you right, can't do that. Going on the down stone. Done it. Jerusalem done it. Nearly broke my neck. No, but, you can't. Oh man, life goals. Yeah. Are there like tips or advice or the little things that happened along the way that? That you want to share. Don't wear eight inch heels in the yeah. old city. Steer clear of eight inch heels and fishnets and or little, ever little eight black inch dresses. Heels. That sounds um, just painful. Oh, but it was fun trying. Is that it when you met trying. the person? I don't even know if it's a woman or a man. It's that was tastefully good. good. She <laughs> says good. There are no labels here. No labels. We live in a, a weird place, Local. Jerusalem. No labels except in the old city where you have the different quarters and the divisions. But I hope that in some way this book will help break some of those barriers. And this book, let's like, uh, you know, promote it a little bit. Where do they get it? Where do the people listening, if they're interested in now to read this magically crazy (laughs) story of the interloper sinking her teeth into the essence of what is Mm -hmm. Israel forever over time or the most important place for all religions over time, really. Do you know Jerusalem's like that mythic ex- 
The one that leaves you crawling the the walls and clawing at the ceiling in the middle of the night. It totally is. Well, you know what Jerusalem syndrome, people come here Mm -hmm. and they think they're God. They think they're Messiah. Yes, my child. (laughs) Yeah. And you're just like, you see them walking around. For the record, I don't. Oh, you crazy. Okay, so back to- I think everyone, you know, I think that, first of all, I think anyone who makes Aliyah, who moves to Israel from a safe country like America, from a- lovely and gentle life in Los Angeles <laughs> has to have a tiny touch of madness. Yes. But I also think that Jerusalem brings out the best and the worst in people. Totally. It's a love affair. Yeah. I say I fell in love with Israel. Mm-hmm. And when you fall in love with someone, they bring something out in you. And oh, then you yeah. have this tortured relationship and you want to make them better and they want to make you better. And there's sometimes you hate them and mm-hmm. love them because it's such a thin line. So that is... It's passion. It's total passion. Yeah. Like I see so many things that I want to change for the better here. Pluralism. Mm-hmm. There's a slut walk, by the way, in a couple of weeks. Oh, sweet. In Jerusalem, which people like go, excuse me, there's a slut walk. And what is that? People show their elbows? Like, no, <laughs> this is a real place. It has like, we have the only, and this is confirmed by my gay friend, the only real gay bar in all of Israel is in Jerusalem. Barbara, mm-hmm. right? Is that the name of it? I don't know. I don't know. Okay. I told him it should be the mikveh. Like, well, I think that should be a stripper joint because that's where you dunk yourself naked. But that's, Mm -hmm. okay. Focus, promote it. (laughs) Tell me where we can buy the book. Great. So the book's available on Amazon and on Book Depository. It'll be at Barnes & Noble and in the States and other indie bookshops. It's going to be available in the UK as well and Canada. Are you going to do book signings? Are you going absolutely. around? Absolutely. And also, if you're jet-lacked? coming to Jerusalem, look me up. Tell me you're going to be in town. How do we town. look you up? Tell I'm on Facebook, Sarah Tuttle Singer. And I also have a website, sarahtuttlesingerwrites.com. And this whole thing, by the way, mm-hmm. I mean, you already have your like fame and breaking out into it. I mean, you got to speak at APAC, right? So well, I get to speak you with somewhere. you on the, on the oh, Mideast right. Beast Most broadcast. Most importantly, this is the very Mideast cool. Beast has chosen Sarah to come and have an interview. <laughs> no, it's been really quite a treat. And if your book is anything like this interview, fantastic. Thanks. I look forward to reading it, honestly. Uh, I think everyone should get the book because I think it will give you a totally different perspective, which is what we also try to do here. I really hope so. Yeah, thanks for having me. But I'm sure yours is more truthful than half the things I say. But this has been another podcast of the Mideast Beast. You can find us online, subscribe, download on iTunes, wherever you get your podcast. podcasts and of course thanking the editor scott Kahn, producer who just makes me sound better than i do right sarah you You heard me wait till you hear how it sounds you sound great thank you so much this has been another episode of the mid-east beast podcast